So, Christy, we have kind of a strange one to discuss tonight. Another dark future of... (sighs) X-Men. Another dark future? Well, this one is pretty unique. I promise it'll be worth your while. I guess I can give it a shot. Uh, Wait, what's that? Christy, past Chris, we've got to travel into the time stream. There's not a moment to lose. Future Chris, what's going on? In the near future, a strange incident occurs. It involves Algroton potatoes, but that's not important. The end result is you and your friends living in a fortress having to band together endlessly. Endlessly? Without ceasing, you'll be cooped up for eternity. Eternity? Cooped up? With friends. That's right. You'll have an entire fortress to yourselves with food and a bar and a small makeshift movie theater. Camaraderie and great character moments abound. Movie theater? It's a terrible hardship. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we're We're not not going to stop stop it. it. Yeah. I can't blame you. Well, I figured I'd give it a try. Uh, What did you pick in the past for this situation? Well, that would be telling, wouldn't it? I gotta go. It's harvest time on potatoes. See ya, kids. Bye, future Chris. Bye, me. (laughs) Wow. We'll need to start packing for our fortress paradise. Yeah, but first we need to talk about comics. Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to part one of two of our Age of X coverage. I keep calling it Age of X, man, when I talk to you about it, and that's going to cause a problem maybe in this podcast. Uh, not that much of a problem, because I don't listen that closely. Yeah, but then the readers will be like, why does he keep saying Age of X? Oh, okay. Yes, I guess it would be confusing to other people. (laughs) To the audience we've cultivated over these several years. (laughs) Thank you guys for sticking with us. So this was a Patreon request episode. It was um, sent in as part of the vote them out sort of situation of picking which of the three crossovers gets to win. Yeah, but turns out if you don't send in your nomination, you just, like, we seed your choice. So this one was picked by default. <laughs> We've we, People have been talking about this one a little bit, and like, oh, I wonder if Chris and Christy are going to get to this at some point. So I was kind of interested. I'd never read it before. This was oh. Kind of, this was kind of a spot of my X-Men history where I was like, eh. I feel like this is a rare thing for us. Normally, it's me reading it for the first time, and you're like, oh, it's been a while. Yeah. You know, unless it's DC, in which case I've barely read any of them. But X-Men, I've read a bunch. This is just kind of the rare one that hasn't. To kind of, like, give a little bit of background, the, the, the architect behind this crossover, Mike Carey, was kind of like the guy who wrote all of the offbeat X-Men stuff for, like, a bit. He wrote Adjectiveless X-Men and then X-Men Legacy. Which mm. was just doing different things than what was being done in the main book. Okay, some of these covers had legacy on them. Yeah, X-Men Legacy was the, okay. the title of it. That's what Adjectivalis turned into at some point. Oh, okay. Mm. Right. Got it. Yes. That's right, They were Legacy was in the name, that's why it was on there. I was like, oh, I wonder what Legacy means. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. That can't be the title. <laughs> 
But so there was like other books going on while this was happening with like all of the normal X-Men and stuff. So this was sure, really this all was, by itself. This is like alternate. It's not like something that actually happened. Well, we'll have to. Well, this is only the first part. So okay. We'll finish it. More will be revealed. More will be revealed. This is another one of those like Legion accidentally caused it sort of situations, which happened. With- I figured as soon as I saw that Mohawk. Mm-hmm. He caused the Age of Apocalypse, too. Oh. This is just a different sort of age. And that, that that's not really gone into in this. I think it's something that's talked about later. So maybe maybe I maybe spoiled a little bit. Oh my gosh. That you know, this is like kind of getting into the meat of the story when we're just supposed to be bantering at this point. Oh, that's true. What's some good what's some good banter? We've not made biscuits recently, so there's not really a whole lot of biscuit talk. Okay, yeah, it's been like two weekends. It's been a bit. It's yeah. It's been a bit. I don't even remember what biscuits taste like. <laughs> been really into english muffins yeah we're making english muffin sandwiches really basic though like literally like an egg a sausage english muffin and a cheese and we're like oh what a delicious breakfast uh the best part is is that chris makes it yeah christy has maybe made one and i just get to primp and get cute in the bathroom and then i come out and there's breakfast it's true you get to spend your morning getting ready and i get to make you breakfast and you know just that's just bliss folks (laughs) Can't get better than that. <laughs> All right. No, I, I think that, that that is the appropriate amount of That's banter. Amount of we no should, more. We none. shouldn't do like a 20 minute, like a Mark Marin sort of banter. I He's, don't know what that is. Uh, Mark Marin does a podcast and he does like a, a, a long cold open where it's oh. just like him talking about stuff that's going on. Yeah, we're not about that. We're not about that. We no get, more banter no on more. topic for the rest of the podcast. No deviations. Chris is making a face uh, that is betraying my intentions here. <laughs> All right, let's hit the summary. Summary. Age of X Alpha, written by Mike Carey, penciled by Mirko Pierfederici, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, Carlo Barberi, Paco Diaz, and Paul Davidson, inked by Mirko Pierfederici, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, Walden Wong, Paco Diaz, and Paul Davidson, colored by Antonio Fabella, Matt Milla, and Brian Reber, lettered by Joe Caramagna, edited by Daniel Ketchum, Jake Thomas, and Nick Lowe. Wow, a lot of credits on that one. We're introduced to a strange new dimension of X-Men, as mutants we know sit around a campfire and tell their introduction stories. Cyclops, in this dimension called Basilisk, had his eyelids removed, and he was used as an execution weapon to kill mutant prisoners at Alcatraz, overseen by the villain Arcade. He pulled an escape one day, breaking out of Alcatraz and taking many mutants with him. The Guthrie siblings, in this case Cannonball and Husk, bust up a police caravan in which are imprisoned a group of mutants. However, the Guthries are looking for the rest of their family, who have been killed and put into the bed of a dump truck. Sam stops Paige from killing all of the officers, and they decide to make their own home. Dr. Kavita Rao tells the story of how she helped develop the mutant cure— 
whose development was stopped by Wolverine, who busted into her lab and injected tons of cure into his body to get rid of it. Rao's partner Richard attempts to kill Wolverine, but Rao injects him with the cure and decides she has a life to save. Toad tells the story of how Fortress X was made. He and many other mutants were trapped in skyscrapers in Chicago, but were saved by Magneto when he lifted the buildings into the sky and constructed a massive fortress that must be continually defended from the force of humanity. A fortress called X. X-Men Legacy 245 and the credits for 246. Written by Mike Carey, penciled by Clay Mann, inked by Jay Leaston, colored by Brian Reber, lettered by Corey Pettit, and edited by Daniel Ketchum and Nick Lowe. Number 245. It is day 1000 at Fortress X, and much like every other day, the mutants must defend their home from those who hate and fear them. The Endless Forces of Humanity. The leader of the mutants is Magneto, but there is a strange and mysterious overseer AI known as X that assists in the everlasting battle. On day 1000, it appears as though the battle is too easy, when in fact a large tank division is pushing through elsewhere. A feint! Despite Cannonball's exemplary leadership in disabling the giant tank, the mutant tempo is dying, and the group calls in the Reaper, or... Legacy. Legacy is the rogue of this universe who uses her power to keep all dying mutants in her as a well legacy. After the battle, the Force Warriors, powerful psionic mutants like Legion, Psylocke, and a strange mutant known as Revenant, build a massive psychic wall that allows the mutants extra time to prepare each day. After the battle, Frenzy talks to the bartender of Fortress X, Wolverine, who can't fight due to his healing factor being constantly maxed out fighting the mutant cure. In this universe, she's involved with Basilisk, who plays kind of the bad boy of mutants. The other folks chatted up, and we get snippets of history such as Phoenix destroying Albany and the Sapien League stealing an election. Legacy is out beyond the fortress dealing with the new memories of the deceased Tempo when she spots someone in a strange spacesuit-looking thing. Gambit and some others show up and subdue the stranger, who turns out to be Catherine Pride, in this universe an inmate of their prison, meaning she's too dangerous to be around everyone else. Magneto takes her back to their prison, which is run by Danger. You know, the sentient danger room. Even Magneto has no jurisdiction here, but he asks to be the only one to see Catherine. Legacy finds a strange dropped camera, and the narration tells us that Day 1000 is the day where things start to fall apart as we see a bald man in a coma in the depths of the prison. New Mutants number 22, written by Mike Carey, penciled by Steve Kurth, inked by Alan Martinez, colored by Brian Reber, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos, edited by Daniel Ketchum. Jubilee and Chamber muse on what this existence all means, with Chamber remarking that they'll hopefully inspire someone to action one day. Legacy tries to convince Magneto to let her interrogate or at least talk to Pride, since she likely has valuable info. But Magneto reminds her that Danger's prison is outside his jurisdiction. She visits Madison Jeffries, a mutant with the power to talk to machines. She brings the camera that Pride had on her, but even he can't get any pictures off of it. Legacy asks for a further favor. A kiss. In an interlude, Basilisk, Cyclops in this world, remarks to his wife, Frenzy, about how he found a duplicate dog tag on a human soldier that he killed, identical to a dog tag he found on a soldier months earlier. 
Intriguing. Legacy breaks into the prison where the precog blindfold is being kept. She yells at Legacy to find the professor, something that does not make sense as there is no professor here. Legacy finds Pride, who is kind of unwilling to talk unless Legacy frees her. Some danger drones command Legacy to leave, but she uses the powers borrowed from Jeffries to scramble them. And then she grabs a bit of Pride powers to start phasing and retreat. She comes across a strange bald man being restrained and kept in a coma. And when she touches him, memories flood in and she accidentally sends a psychic pulse across the whole base, which gives everyone a big headache. Also, there's no Advil in Fortress X? Oof. After Danger corners her, she barely escapes from a window, grabbing one of Jeffrey's robots, which was sent to help her. Magneto orders Moonstar's cadre, the group of hunters, to capture Legacy. Legacy 246. As Gambit and his crew fight off the humans again, Moonstar's hunters find Enole and Domino unconscious in the fortress. Moonstar thinks Legacy is headed towards someone trustworthy. And Legacy stumbles into Wolverine's bar, where he hides her for the time being. Legacy tells him after touching the mysterious man she knew his name was Xavier and that something just isn't right about all this. She felt the thought of smash it from someone close by, which she thinks means the entire fortress, or maybe even existence. Magneto confers with Moira, who believes this is a massive conspiracy to destroy the fortress. She reminds him the Force Warriors could search for legacy molecule by molecule, but Magneto retorts that the Force Warriors are more necessary for their telekinetic wall. And besides, he has joined the hunt himself. The hunters break into Wolverine's bar, where legacy is nowhere to be found. The hunters know she was there, but Wolverine is being stubborn and not talking. Moonstar figures he's giving legacy a head start, and they race to the battlefield outside. Magneto interrogates Jeffries, threatening to get rid of his machines, which help him maintain his identity, unless he tells Magneto what legacy was there for. Jeffries mentions the camera, but nothing else. The hunters find Legacy out of the battlefield, wounding her with an arrow and cornering her. However, Legacy has a bit of Domino's luck left, which causes a massive human mech to interrupt the fight. Legacy gets away, but is still caught by Dust, who is then shot non-lethally by Gambit, who figures he wants to be on the right side. Magneto, feeling betrayed, has Moonstar call off her hunters, and he creates a giant platform of metal, which he uses to seemingly crush Gambit and Legacy. He tells the assembled mutants that this is how traitors die. Back at the bar, Wolverine and Basilisk agree they need to get their hands dirty and get some answers to what's going on. Uh, I have a runaway key of C right away. Okay. I think they should have ended that one, that whole issue with four non-blondes doing what's going on. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm kidding. That's not my QC. <laughs> I, I figured it wouldn't be. You're not one to spoil the ending early. No, no, no. I I love I love to to keep people in anticipation. <laughs> So this is your first time reading this. Yes. So what was your impression? It is interesting in contrast to Age of Apocalypse, which is a similar sort of setup. The whole universe ends. This new universe is in its place. That was kind of focused more on these big plot beats. Mm-hmm. 
and like these like big action sort of beats. This is such a talky crossover. Not to say that there aren't like action bits in it. Like, yeah, there definitely, definitely is. There definitely is. But I felt like there was just a lot of dialogue compared. Especially in that alpha issue. Oh, there's tons. I didn't even summarize all of like the the talking because a lot of it would have just been like, so-and-so says this, so-and-so says this. <laughs> but I, I, I love that. I don't mind a talky comic. No, it's definitely kind of refreshing in, mm-hmm. a, in a world where everything needs to be pinching. Right, right. Uh, we get some... And I feel like to set up an alternate reality or universe or what have you, you really need to have the time to set up and juxtapose who the characters are in this world versus, you know, who we know them to be. Yeah. How do you feel about the... So the alpha issue is not part one. It is the alpha issue. This is gosh. Like when oh Jordan White was talking about how alpha and omega sometimes aren't even part one in, in the Yes. End. This is that. I hated it. I hated it. I'm like, and I, why do we have Alpha and then chapter one? Two? You don't have to read it. it. Which I kind of realized. I was like, okay, no, I get it. This really isn't a chapter one because it kind of sets up and gives us groundwork and background of these characters should you wish to have that. But it isn't necessary to dive into whatever what, what's going on in chapter one. Right. It, it just gives like nice... I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to read it. Yeah, like, it, I think, most importantly, it gives the origins for Basilisk and Wolverine. Mm-hmm. That I feel like are really important. Because you'd be like, why isn't Wolverine fighting? That's, like, his uh, whole deal. Plus a really cool Guthrie scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's weird, though. Like, you know, like, Husk is not in this as much as I thought she would be. I, I am disappointed. Because I read that first issue, and I was like, yeah, we're going to get some page. And I'm like, where, where, where's she at? Yeah, Christy Christy likes the Gen X kids. I do. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan. Uh, But I love the idea of Rogue as legacy. I'm I'm totally here for that concept of, you know, storing all of, I don't know, mutant experience as people pass away. It's a very, like, hoxpoxy sort of idea. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's kind of like a big sci-fi idea. Right. And we have a magical, I say magical, they're not magical, they're mutants. I mean, they can be both. But we have this, the the set of five. Oh, yeah, but it's the Force Warriors, which, <laughs> that name could have maybe been workshopped a little bit, but yes. the Force Warriors. <laughs> Sounds like, like uh, a Star Wars fanfic that I would have come up with as a kid. I'm going to make a team and they're going to be called the Force Warriors. Yeah. I would have jumped off the couch and then I would have been like, burp, 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 like making that sound with my mouth. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Would you have had a, a lightsaber to swing around? I did not have one of those plastic lightsabers till like I was probably too old to have one. I say that, but like grown ups have those. So maybe not. Right, right. Like we have one now for the kids. Uh, I was that. Those, I don't think the telescoping ones existed when, well, but maybe That's they did. That's fair. I don't remember them until the prequels. We're getting it, we're getting off topic, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> I had a Mace Windu one because those the purple lightsaber that just rules. Uh, purple lightsabers uh, with the Force Warriors have all had each had a different color lightsaber. Oh, yeah. oh yep, yep. Here for that fic. <laughs> I was always really mad that the Star Wars prequels only or any of the Star Wars movies only had like green and blue, and then red were always the bad guys. Right? Like, they could, could have been anything. I mean, Mace Windu had a purple one. Right. 
And in the first season of Mandalorian, there's like one that's like black. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like George Lucas was like, no, we have blue and green and red. He, mm. he just wanted to make, I think he wanted to make the, make him like very archetypal. Yeah. Fair, fair. But we, we kind of get almost a little bit of a color array in the, the costumes of our, I can't even remember their name now. The Force Warriors. Force Warriors. <laughs> the whole reason we got off topic it was like, the Force awakens? No, no. <laughs> the Strength Crew. <laughs> uh, well, we already have the, the, the Wrecking Crew, don't we? Yes, in Marvel. But yes, uh, in Marvel. I'm yeah. like, we, we already have a crew. We also have the crew, a group of superheroes. Okay, who are the... Wait, wait, wait. I, I don't know about the crew. The crew, I know them through a comic called Black Panther and the Crew, which it was a bunch of black superheroes in a group together. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. That comic is actually incredibly underrated. So it talks like about history and stuff too. It's super cool. Oh, it's short because they 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 there was a point where Marvel was like, when was it published? Right after the movie. Oh, and right after the movie, they like Marvel like flooded the market with Black Panther comics, and there was just only so many that people were buying because movies don't always transfer to comic sales, and they also like they didn't market them. I don't think particularly well. Right, like you, yeah. I don't know if there's a there. I don't have the answer to how to cross that divide. If I did, I would really be editor-in-chief. Oh, yeah, between movies and comics. <laughs> um, don't sell them in boutique stores. Yes. Okay, I guess I do have the answer, and we've gone into it in detail on this Many podcast times. before. Well, yeah, so, the, so back to the Force Warriors, who kind of have a color scheme. Legion's kind of blue in this. Yeah. He, he like, His hair's normally, like, black. He looks... I mean, he looks kind of cute in this. They kind of hunked him. Well, here's the deal. That artist is Clay Mann, and Clay Mann draws everybody that way. Oh. He has been recently criticized in... He drew Heroes in Crisis, which is a DC comic. Okay. He drew Batgirl with, like, the bullet wounds, and it shows her, like, showing the bullet wounds. Oh, yes. Yes, I know that page. Mm -hmm. She's like... Oh, here's my bullet wound and like, you know, like pulls down her pants a little. Uh, in the, in Heroes in Crisis, he also drew Lois Lane in her underpants with a Superman shirt. He just draws like very, but like he's kind of equal opportunity. Like he draws, I feel like he tends to draw men the same way. Everybody's sexy. Yeah. It just doesn't always work. <laughs> I feel like it was fine for this. Yeah. I liked his action scenes though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like, there were some really cool. Wait, was he shifts. the artist on Legacy or on New Mutants? Legacy. New Legacy. Mutants was a different artist. Right, 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 right. I thought the Legacy art was pretty good. It's interesting, though. He seems to have gotten a little bit less... He's gotten a little more detailed as time has gone on. How did you feel about all the contrasting art styles in the alpha? Uh, it wasn't... I don't love it, but because it was phrased as people telling stories, the way you, I feel like you can excuse that is it's like in the telling. Right, yeah. right. I... I mean, there was some of the art that I really loved that really worked well for me. I mm. I loved the Cyclops Basilisk art. That was that art was great. I loved that art. Yeah. So the art for the uh, the Cyclops Basilisk section was Gabriel Hernandez Walta. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, I, if it's the tone, it just seems like it, like a nasty prison. Yes. It it does not seem like art that you would see in an X Men 
comic normally. No. But it, it really works. Yeah. Uh, the Guthrie's thing felt a little more kind of comic booky house style to me. Not not super house style for that era, but... Uh, there's a lot of round like planet. Yeah, there was a lot of round like planet. There was... <laughs> Paige was... Yeah. I mean, Paige is often, like, <laughs> naked because she, like, rips off her skin. So right. she's, like... She's, like, really naked. Like, she doesn't even have... She's missing right. the top layer of skin. <laughs> I wonder how quick her hair grows back, because it seems like she's always ripping, like, her whole scalp off. Right. <laughs> sometimes sometimes the hair's there, and sometimes it's not. Don't worry about it. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, if she can, like, regrow her whole epidermis, like, uh, some hair is not, not a big deal. <laughs> I love Paige because her power is gross. And it's, like, it's so cool that it's in, like, a in like a teen book. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 all their, like, not all of their powers, but a lot of their powers are kind of nasty. In Generation X. Oh, yeah. Skin? Skin's skin's really gross powers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's very, like, grimy teenagers. Hers is just completely wild. Like, who came up with that? It is, like, rips off her first layer of skin. The next layer of skin is something else. Yep. Wild. Yep. And you can you can keep some of those layers of skin in, intact that she sheds. Gross. Collect them. <laughs> oh, that's right. That <laughs> happened in Wolverine and the X-Men. That was weird. <laughs> The one with um, Dr. Rao and Wolverine. Mm -hmm. Dr. Rao created the mutant cure in 616 as well, Mm -hmm. which was in Astonishing X-Men, which is like the first X-Men story you read. Oh, was she also in what TV show was it? Um, Oh, in The Gifted? The Gifted? I don't know if, if... Dr. Rao is the name of the character in The Gifted. I know there was at least an analog. Okay. There is a Dr. Rao in the third X-Men movie, which is the similar plot of they're, like, making a cure. I have a really poor it. memory of X-Men movies. Well, they're not, like, <laughs> wonderful. And the third X-Men movie, I actually think, in, unless you've seen it by yourself, I feel like I've been like, let's not watch that one. <laughs> I really don't like it. It has Glob Herman in it for, like, one second. That's like the the, the the highlight. Well, the win. Well, <laughs> the thing to look forward to <laughs> out of the whole film. <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> but so the there's this is kind of like a big high concept crossover. It's very strange. You know, a lot of crossovers are like group of bad guys show up, heroes get beaten for a little bit. Heroes find something that helps them win. They win. Like, that's like, Mm -hmm. that's like a real deal. But this one is like very like, it's like intrigue in that you'd think it would be about them in this fortress fighting against the humans all the time. But that is wallpaper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it. Um, I'm interested in the second half. Like, that's really going to influence my overall opinion on it as as it very well should but i can't decide if this feels too redundant to just the the whole alternate something's off here but we can't tell quite tell what like yeah i think the fact that that's like the whole like the call is coming from inside the house thing is maybe mm -hmm. the the unique part about it right like there's something about the fortress that is that is iffy. Whereas in Age of Apocalypse, which I don't think you've read, but is like the, probably the biggest con- like um, mm-hmm. compare comparative storyline to this. Them finding the, the not Age of X Men or X Men. You don't think that's because no, I think that's kind of different. 
Okay. Um, Age of X-Men is called... No, well, in some ways, Age of X-Men is kind of like the utopia version of Age of X. Right. With like the whole, the call is, the, to, to keep, say it a million times, the whole, the call is coming from from inside the house mm-hmm. sort of deal, as in like Nate Gray is the one who caused it. Right. But Age of Apocalypse is the other big dystopic one. Right. Which I, have I read? You haven't. I am I very reticent to cover it because it's incredibly long and you kind of can't skip any of it. Like it's like 30 issues. Oh. It'd be like, Jay and Miles. Somebody's going to make us do it. Oh, maybe. Jay and Miles took months to do it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, well, that's there. I would veto <laughs> Looming. That. If, if someone was like, "I'm gonna like you have to do Age of Apocalypse," I'd be like, "Pick something shorter." <laughs> I should have probably in the uh, in the Patreon done like a twelve issue limit. <laughs> Second Coming is going to be long as well, and I don't know how to get around that, but we have to do it because we've already done the first two. Okay. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. <laughs> but this one, it is like almost immediately, you know, something something's off with like there's like. Mm-hmm. Things where, oh, only danger has jurisdiction here, not even Magneto. And there's this AI that talks that is very unique to this universe, mm-hmm. but not something we've, we've ever heard of. We don't see what X is. X is just like a talking voice. Yep. Yep. Pretty fun. It is kind of fun. <laughs> it's interesting what characters get highlighted too. You can tell this was definitely an X-Men Legacy and New Mutants crossover. Cause like the New mm-hmm. Mutants characters are in it quite a bit. Right. Like Sunspot and Cannonball and Moonstar are all in it. And then Rogue is the main character. Rogue is the main character in X-Men Legacy, period. Like, before, even before oh, this crossover. It okay. is basically all about her. Mike Carey, I think, is a very big Rogue fan. I I am a fan of Rogue in this. Yeah, Rogue's pretty cool. Uh, it is interesting that unlike some, unlike what could have been done, she immediately starts questioning things. Right. She's not like... Oh, like I should really. Well, we just... say immediately starts que- starts questioning things. It's, it's day, day one thousand. In the terms of the story, she right. We start with mm-hmm. her questioning things, but she doesn't even try to like ignore it and go about life and find and like other things happen to her. She's mm-hmm. immediately like, I need to figure this out. Right. The only exposition we really get is that alpha, and we immediately like things take off from there. Right. Do you have any uh, any any shots on the dark predictions about what's going on? I feel like something's got to be up with whatever is going on outside of the actual fortress. I mm. have a, a in I'm inclined to believe that whatever humans are attacking aren't actually humans attacking them. Well, we do get that bit where Basilisk is like, "It's real weird. I found this complete duplicate dog tag, like same name, but it was like a different looking person." Right. Right. Uh-huh. So, I feel like I mean, aside from knowing that this is like a manufactured reality, um, I I mean, I, I feel like uh, it, it it's just really picking out which elements are manufactured and by whom, like who all is in on it. Um, right. I don't know. Legacy is definitely the main character, but there's. I was someone... I was sitting there wondering. I was like, where is Catherine Ann Pride? Why is she not here? What is going on? And then she showed up and I was like, oh, and I'm like, man, I hope she doesn't have to just sit in prison for the rest of this. I do like that. That legacy was like, hey, you going to talk to me about stuff. Why does your camera have no pictures? And Kate was like, oh, I always leave that lens cap on. She's just like joking. (laughs) It's great. It's pretty good. The camera, it's like, it seems kind of important, but then like nothing's happened with it. Yeah. I, I feel like we've got so much cool 
build in this first half. I So I feel like I have really high hopes for the second half, but I'm totally also prepared to be let down. Yeah, people, I was talking to people and they were like, oh, Chris, Age of X, Age of X is great. Mm. And I think I thought it was fine. I think I'm, my opinion on it is, is, is growing as we talk about it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's things I really like. I like some of the character differences. I like the, so Scott Summers always has to at least be kind of sad, but in this, he's like really <laughs> mad. He's well, like of angry, course. Yeah. He has a cool mask too. Yeah. That's neat. His whole design and backstories just really. Basilisk is a pretty cool name for someone who's like, yeah, like vaporizes people with his eyes. Kind of makes sense. The putting him with frenzy is kind of neat. She she is pretty invulnerable, and so she wants him to just like hit her with his optic blast because it like feels cleansing to her. Mm-hmm. That's kind of wild. <laughs> Um, Fren- Frenzy has not showed up a lot recently, but she will be. No, in I wasn't really familiar De- with her when I saw her. Mm-hmm. She'll be in a book in December of 2020. She'll be in that Al Ewing sword book. Oh, yeah. oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. That mm-hmm. one's definitely some like, hey, remember this character? <laughs> Which is kind of kind of a cool idea. Okay, I'm also wondering where Emma is. Like, are there just some characters that are we're just not going to see? Well, there aren't are- any psychics. All the people who make the force wall are, are telekinetics. Oh, I see. Yeah. I don't think I'd. Well, like I say that, but like Psylocke's kind of a psychic at times, but they've, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I don't uh, know. But no one uses psychic powers. They make the wall like out of TK. And so I'm okay. thinking there's something with telepaths. Right. Right. I mean, and they've got, they've got Xavier like in a. Catatonic. Right. Yeah. The whole presence of a prison within the fortress was the biggest red flag to me like the wildest thing oh right like we need it we need all the help we can get not these people like right. and why is kate there like right she, i was phasing through things that dangerous i mean it is dangerous if your entire fortress is governed by like a robot ai right so that's her be phasing it. you know disrupts that mm. um blindfold is there she's a precog Oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very Krakoa to not have no precogs. <laughs> I think maybe Emma was in a shot in, like, the prison. Like, I thought I saw a blonde woman. Oh. I'll have to go back and look for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We will. Yeah. Just some other kind of neat things about this. Uh, Wolverine I... being completely powerless, kind of a cool thing for him, although he's trying to, like, figure it out. Right. Like, he's like, can I can I pop my claws? And he's like, if I don't, it might kill me. Right. And he's, like, trying to, like, see if he heals from things. Yeah. It's a... I I love the heroic sacrifice and then, you know, just that, that existence kind of kind of neat. I feel like Wolverine would pretty be pretty happy just living life as a bartender. Yeah. Seems all right. <laughs> Storm's dating Namor. We don't really know why yet, but that's a thing that's happening. They're both yeah. kind of... Power couple? Yeah. So <laughs> king, goddess, I get it. <laughs> Rogue and Gambit having a little moment was kind of nice. Right, but it seems like in this, maybe Rogue or Legacy is with Magneto, which is a, a ship that exists. They kind of like had a fling in the 80s. Oh. Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Gambit shoots a gun in this. He has like a big sniper rifle. Oh, yeah. That's strange. Yeah. I don't think I'd realized that or thought about that. Yeah, I don't know if he like charges the bullets or what, but he like... Doof. 
It's like super long. It's like a very, very it's big a, rifle. It's a big gun. It's a very, very long rifle. Damn, it's got a very big gun. It's got a Moira's really <laughs> <laughs> in this, but this is not when Moira's oh, a mutant. Right, right. But I mean, Dr. Rao is also not a mutant. So I guess this is just like, hey, we're letting Moira in because she's an ally. But she kind of, she's like she's, Legacy's, or not Legacy. She's like Legion's mom in this. Right. Right. Which she is, isn't she? In the 616, Moira is Legacy's kind of guardian. Okay. Like a, like a step, like a, a, a mom-ish figure, but she's still like, she's keeps not, him in a room. Okay. But is she his bio mom? She's not his bio mom. Gabrielle okay. Holler is his bio mom, who is a patient that Xavier met in Israel, who he was psychically counseling and then also got involved with. It is highly unethical. Oh. Claremont kind of had the had children that were that were born of unfortunate circumstances uh oftentimes be like sort of not like their the circumstances surrounding their conception almost seem to influence who they are and who they became yeah and it's not like it's not great um yeah this is mike carey makes legion like he is he is very much not the way legion usually is Okay. They don't talk a lot about like Legion has has dissociative identity disorder. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what they called it initially, but he he in the six one six has multiple personalities and they all have powers. But this is, this doesn't really seem to be delving into that very much. Sure. Where is more like a, oh you're pushing yourself and he's like no I like I need to I'm, I'm one of the force warriors. <laughs> Mom. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Things like this, though, make me wonder, like, if they're ever going to treat Moira's lives as, like, this was one of them. Oh. Or, like, you know, this was an alternate of her whatever life, having lived all these other lives. But The retcon possibilities oh, so, are just so rich and deep. Chris is, Chris is eating, eating them. I'm just eating retcon cake. Ret cake. <laughs> it's delicious. Tastes like carrot cake. <laughs> Did we just find the title of this episode? <laughs> Checkmark. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready to get into your accolades, Christy? Yeah, let's get into some accolades. All right. Can I tell you my best line? Oh, please tell me your best line. My best line comes from Magneto who in the caption box says, I thought walls would be enough and that all threats would come from the same direction. Oh, that's like a fun little poetic line. There. Yeah, I did like a like an actual best line as opposed to what we normally do, which is a silly line. Uh, my best line to juxtapose here. Because he's got a hand on a hand. <laughs> comes from Paige Guthrie. Uh-huh. When she uh, she husks, she says... Now let me get out of, oh, I should do, I should do. Can I do the page voice? Can you do an Appala- an Appalachian voice? I do. Now let me get out of these uncomfortable things, and we can have ourselves a party. <laughs> she just means her skin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, mood, Paige, mood. All right. Who's your greatest hero, Christy? Uh, my greatest hero's legacy, because who who else can you pick? I'm going to pick a different person. Oh, I picked Wolverine. He he basically yes. saved mutant kind by taking all of the cure all at once, and this whole thing wouldn't have happened without him. 
No, I agree. He did it. He did a big hero move. And even afterwards, he was still a good guy. Unlike Magneto, who did a, a big hero move and then was kind of a joke. Fair. Fair. I support your choice. My Wolverine-related choice. Yes. Uh, what about your coolest moment? There's a bit where um, Legacy's luck distracts them with this gigantic, like, mechanized thing. Uh-huh. Karma shoots or, like does her like mind projection thing into one of them and then shoots another one. And it's like three panels in a row. Mm. And she says like, got you or something. And it's like, she says it. Then the, like the, the mind she zips to says the next part. And it felt like this like super like cinematic quick movement. And I was like, that's cool. I had to, I had to give it, give it up to clay man for that one. (laughs) Uh, I, uh, I went for the big action movie coolest moment uh, when Magneto like lifts up the Chrysler building and other like skyscrapers. Like rockets them. They look like rockets. Yes. He just like blasts them off. And I'm like, that's so cool. I'm stealing all your skyscrapers. <laughs> I'm like, a lot of people probably died. Well, it was supposed to be that only mutants were holed up in them at that point. Right. but Which doesn't make sense. In but- the- I thought they were only holed up in the Chrysler building, and then he just happened to take the other skyscraper. I also need these. (laughs) Uh, What about your Crusher Creel award for silly villainy? Mine just goes to, like, the general human forces. Okay. They're, like, a whole bunch, right? They're, like, yelling, get some, and they're, like, calling a mutie scum and stuff. They're, like, cartoonish. (laughs) Yeah. You kind of even felt, like, good when Doug, like, kind of gruesomely seemed to kill one of them by shoving, like, a bunch of warlock into his mouth. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's somebody's thing. (laughs) My Crusher Creole Award for Silly Villainy was a specific aspect of the Basilisk backstory. Mm -hmm. The fact that... You turn on Basilisk's powers with this gigantic light switch that they carry around on the guards mm-hmm. that are transporting him. Yeah. Incredibly convenient for Cyclops to be able to just... It literally is like an on-off switch. <laughs> like, I'm like, really? This is this is the tech that we're going with here? Yep. <laughs> so that felt just like a really silly choice all around on the part it's, of the villain. It's very arcade to have just a big stupid switch. <laughs> what is your Key of C award, Christy? The Key of C award is, of course, the one that is most uh, fitting to have a musical number, mm-hmm. a, a show tunes number. Mm-hmm. They, it would be enhanced or expanded upon. Yes. So I feel like our Force Warriors needed like a pop group style number with like you know dancing and synchronized music because they had like fans that like swoon over them and oh my gosh they, they build look, a wall they they just look like the cast of a cw show and <laughs> radioactive radioactive yep so they needed a pop group number oh that's pretty good <laughs> I think there would be a good one of Legacy getting all those memories from Xavier. Oh, I I felt like she needed a running theme throughout this, like Legacy oh. song. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And it could have had a fun, like, key change culminating in the memories from Xavier. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Reaper, Legacy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Poor Rogue. Eh, she's cool. <laughs> she's cool. <laughs> she's living her best. Nope, not her best. This life. is not. The she's best living life. a life. <laughs> she's alive. <laughs> she's mostly fine. <laughs> All right, readers, thank you guys so much for sticking with us. And if you ever want to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can email us for those longer form messages at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. Please take a moment uh, to rate or review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and can rate and review them. And if you'd like to support us monetarily, you can do so through our Ko-fi or our Patreon pages. Our Patreon pages have lots of cool reward schemes. Please check those out. Both of those links will be in the show notes. And also, you can check out our writing over at XavierFiles.com. We're getting into X of Swords coverage when this comes out i think the first five chapters will be out because there's three this week oh my gosh that's right yeah see we don't have to like read three comics just to know what's going on because they, mm-hmm. they come in order mm-hmm. you'll you'll be able to check out my coverage of marauders yep and you've got your x-men's not for a bit well, you've got your oh, creation, creation that just two, happened. Two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. So a lot of great stuff to check out there if you're interested in some current X-Men event stuff. The, the It could not be more current. Yes. <laughs> Very current. Readers, we hope it's a, it's a good next couple of weeks. Yeah. It, there's exciting things afoot in the world. That's one way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> exciting changes, maybe. Hoping. Not saying explicitly on Twitter what things we're hoping for. We would never. (laughs) And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.